0: Welcome back to Russell Street Replay. I'm Nick Hilmetham. With me, as always, is Ronald Tooth. This week, we're going to be recapping the second wave of the NFL's free agency moves, of course, with a focus on our hometown team,
1: the Baltimore Ravens. Ron, how are we doing today? Uh, we're doing okay, I think. You, you know, it's it's been sort of an interesting week, putting it lightly, um, since the last time we met, for sure. You know, we've had the whole Zadarius Smith saga, and bunch of other things that we'll get into throughout the course of this show. But I mean, I guess we're doing okay. You know, for the most part, how about you, my friend? <laughs> I I'm,
0: I'm doing well. I mean, looking at it, looking at a roundup of the moves, I'm glad the Ravens made more moves after signing Marcus Williams and Morgan Moses. The two signings that we recapped last week, they added defensive tackle, Michael Pierce, a former Ravens undrafted free agent and, um, and, and re-signed Patrick Ricard, two big, big men that are back in Baltimore. Uh, but of course, as Ron, you mentioned the, the kind of the major thing that happened last week was the Z'Darrius Smith deal falling through with him now getting a much, what is a much better deal from the Minnesota Vikings um, that was reported uh, yesterday. So Ron, what do you make of kind of the whole Z'Darrius Smith saga? And and what are your first thoughts on Ricard and Pierce signing, or I guess
1: re-signing in Baltimore? All right. So we'll start with the Zedarius Smith situation because that is pretty easily the most notable of all of the things that have happened to the Ravens offseason And, um, I mean, just right off the rip, obviously I'm not happy about it like everybody else. Um, I think it's kind of funny how Zadarius Smith managed to um, tick off both of his former fan bases in one fell swoop yesterday by signing (laughs) with with the Minnesota Vikings of all teams, uh, kind of pulling a Brett Favre there. Um, I I just, I don't know that I put all of it on him, though. I, I mean, when you look at what Von Miller just got and you look at what Chandler Jones got just... You know, an hour before Zedarius announced, or the the signing or agreement to a signing for Zedarius got announced, and it was—I mean—he was making pennies on the dollar compared to what those guys were getting. Um, we've also heard—we we have also heard we, we do not know specifics, but we've heard some things about how the Ravens did kind of alter their offer after that uh, initial that eight point seven five AAV price point uh, when they came back to the table. They had something else um apparently that was agreed to as well but then the next day it was no we're just going to uh continue testing the waters I can't say I blame him as much as uh, you know as much as it is an annoyance being a Ravens fan like we are I can't say I blame him yeah so it's
0: one of the things that they he went to go test his market. He felt like he could get more money than, you know, less than 9 million a year, which again, when when I first heard about this deal, when you and I were first talking about it, we were so excited. Another crazy Eric DaCosta deal he pulled off. And so, you know, and and so the Ravens go, and and Smith came back, he wanted more money. The Ravens were like, yeah, we understand because we felt like we were paying you, like under your value. Mm -hmm. Then they were willing to pay him more, But after he saw the rest of those deals, like you said, he came back and asked for more money. And after agreeing to two deals and asking for more money after that, that's the kind of thing where I understand why the Ravens don't want to engage anymore, especially considering that he did get a somewhat comparable deal. It's a little bit under Chandler Jones's, but I'm honestly not sure I would have given Z'Darrius Smith $14 million a year coming off that back injury. Uh, Is that, is that an amount you would have been okay with him in Baltimore? 12 million a year is the base deal I would have been fine with, but 14 as the base is just a little too
1: much. Uh, <clears throat> for me personally, yeah, I would have, yeah. Um, if, it was, if it was the same exact deal that he just got from Minnesota for three years, yeah, I would have been all on board for that, especially when you look at how the salary cap is going to jump these next few years with all of this, the DraftKings money and all this stuff that's going to be coming into the league this salary cap is going to continue growing exponentially. And yeah, Smith did have the back issue last year, but in the three seasons prior to that, he played in every single game. And even when he came back from that back injury in the one playoff game, he had a sack and he looked really good. So I I don't really understand why um, people, for the most part, are kind of throwing this injury thing out there. It's like every player in the NFL... I mean, it's if you're a long-term player in the NFL and you go your whole career without, you know, one of those kind of injuries, it's a rare thing. So, and we've seen plenty of guys come back from those sort of like one year injuries. Uh, Some are different than others, of course, but they, they come back and they're still that elite player that they are. And we'll get into this sort of thing a little after when we discuss some of the names that the Ravens are bringing in this week for visits, but it's just, it's an arms race in the AFC right now. And you need studs. You need proven, not just good, like spot fillers. You need proven stars to be, if you want to compete for a super bowl and Zedarius would have been that.
0: Yeah. And you know, now that you're mentioning it, I guess my, my issue with giving him the 14 million on whatever go round of negotiations, it would be, is that whatever happened, whether it's in miscommunication with Smith and his agent, whatever it was, it's really hard, not not from a prior perspective but from a future strategic and contract negotiating perspective to let a player uh, agree to a deal, him ask for more money, agree to it again and then come back with asking for what was reportedly a dramatically different deal again we don't know we don't have all the numbers on that, but I think that's the other reason why you know the Ravens w- moved on because it's the player's job to know what his market is and maximize his money, not the Ravens' job to give him the fairest market deal. And he should have done more due diligence. He should have talked to more teams, whatever, if he really wanted to come to Baltimore. But that's the other thing is you agree to a deal with your former team twice, and then you still come and ask for more money. It's also like, did you really want to come play for us at all, or did you just want the most money? And I think it's fine if he wanted the most money as a player. I think he's totally entitled to go for that. But as the Ravens organization, I would be understandably a little bit frustrated and, you know, question the commitment, the dedication there a little bit. And it's also not a good, it's not a good precedent to set for future negotiations. So I get why it fell through. I think it's one of those things, like you said, that it's just an annoyance. His, as it turned out, his market was out there. He was on the market the rest of the week. And some people thought he wouldn't find a, a, a deal in the, in the mid double digits annual salary like he did. Um, or in the mid teens, he did, he got his deal and it worked out for him. And the Ravens are going to have to pivot. And I guess now that you've mentioned it, we can talk about two of those potential pivots, former Seattle Seahawks defensive end Rasheem green and former 49ers defensive end Arden key. They're both visiting the Ravens today. It's kind of interesting. They're both, they're very, very similar players. Um, both 2018 third round picks, both had a career high six and a half sacks last year, both coming from the AFC West and both can rush the passer from a variety of inside and outside alignments. But I don't really think they're top tier run defenders the way we're normally used to in Baltimore, which isn't a concern. It's just kind of interesting that the Ravens are really looking like they're prioritizing getting to the quarterback, which is good.
1: Yeah, that is good. Um, just quick aside. I don't mean to cut you off here, but we just got a tweet from Rappaport, not Ravens related, but uh, the Kansas city chiefs have given Tyree kills agent permission to seek a trade. That is um, that's some interesting news. Uh, we'll, we'll cover yeah that. We'll cover that at some point in the future. Anyway, sorry for the misdirect there. Cause uh, this is kind of something I've got a lot to say about with uh, the Rasheem green and Arden key kind of visits because they're solid players as you mentioned they're they're both coming from the NFC West um but that's all they to me that's all they are they're just solid like you're just filling a hole as opposed to vastly a big bucket of mid yeah like it's a huge bucket
0: of mid yeah like, and that's what's frustrating to me which is like
1: yeah you like need elite you need elite in this league in this AFC exactly and and like We've always kind of tried to keep, you know, a level head in terms of seeing the upside in the things that the Ravens do, but uh, we're at a point now where that classic, like just everything has to be the right player at the right price. That's not going to fly when you've got teams like the Raiders going and trading for Devonte Adams and giving him a record contract and signing Chandler Jones or any of these other teams or like, even Tennessee this past weekend going and getting Robert Woods for a sixth round pick. Like, like why could, why could the Ravens not have done that? And, and I know I, I sound like every Twitter fan right now and it's taken a lot for me to get to this point. So trust me, it's a very bittersweet pill to swallow, but when you're down by, or when you're up by two points on the last drive of the game and Josh Allen is standing in the huddle, I'm sorry, Rasheem green, Arden key and, and Bowser, as much as I love Bowser, like that, that doesn't inspire me. That we're gonna bring this thing home, like. And when you look, th- that's kind of tying back into the Darius thing. It's like when you saw that Jones was gone, and you saw that Von Miller was gone. Like he was head and shoulders the best still on the market, and probably the only name that was still on the market that you'd consider a superstar. So it's like, like go get him, man. Like don't don't waste the the precious few amount of cap dollars you have left when you're not restructuring marlin yet and you're you you haven't done anything with stanley's contract miles boykin and sam cook are still on the roster taking up almost 5 million in cap space like i just i don't get it i, I just i mean i yeah they'll be good P, you know hole fillers like i said but it just it doesn't do anything to move the needle and it really doesn't improve your chances in the grand scheme of the afc bringing in guys like this. Like if so you're winning, gonna... winning
0: playoff games in the AFC, yeah.
1: right? Like I think Green and Keek, and you know, I
0: think they're both fine players. I, I would have loved them as an additional signing, right? After Smith to round out the defensive line. They're a little bit younger, add a little versatility, all those things, but they don't profile as guys who when the game's on the line, I'm saying go get the quarterback. And that's mm-hmm. that's kind of the big thing here. And, and it's, it is a tough situation, like we talked about with Smith, right? When you get a player to agree, you think, okay, a player agreed, especially when he agrees on a second revised deal for more money. You think you're good, especially an ex-player. You, there, there might be an argument to be made that the Ravens should have been maybe a little bit more aggressive with their initial offers to Smith. But again, I don't blame them for wanting to be as efficient as possible with their cap room because they could have went for Smith and still gone for another move. I mean, they made moves signing Michael Pierce and Patrick Ricard. I don't think not getting Smith was what allowed them to make those moves. But it does make you wonder like once the once your second big swing of free agency falls through, the first one being Marcus Williams, who is certainly a big swing. I, I, I you know that is a huge signing for the Ravens. But once your second big swing falls through, it's unfortunately a little bit late in the market. There may not be those bigger swings out there. And you do and you and, and this is where I think the Ravens should pivot to okay, who is the best remaining player out there? They do BPA in the draft a lot, best player available. That's not something to do a lot in free agency, but right now, given that I think they can free up enough, they have enough money and can free up a little bit more if they need to, to sign another high-impact player, especially on defense, I don't see a reason not to do that. It's, and and I would be frustrated if signing Rasheem Green or Arden Key are the reason that they don't. Because Bobby Wagner is still out there. And while inside linebacker isn't, a huge need. Bynes and Fort are both, you know, pretty could come back for very cheap and play very well. Uh, Wagner is also a force multiplier in terms of defensive leader and, and anchoring the middle of a defense, mentoring Patrick Queen. The, you know, that that's that's kind of the signing that that I would want them to do. Now that Smith has fallen through, you still need a high impact defender. Even if you still sign a key or a Green to get another edge player, someone who's versatile can rush inside outside like Smith could. I get all that. You still need a big swing. You still need a, a, an impact player. And I think it's especially on defense.
1: Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and it just, Wagner is the one at this point. He's the one that we all have our eye on, but it's just tough to have even the most remote amount of confidence that we're going to get him because, you know, we're going to lowball him. And it's just going to be that, that, again, just the right player, right price. Well, let me tell you, the right player in the vast majority of cases in the NFL in 2022, he ain't coming at the right price. Like he's just not like, when you look at the deals, some of these guys get. And when you look at some of these ridiculous things, like what the Jaguars did and how they just reset the market with the wide receivers and all this stuff that happened, like, unfortunately you got to be willing to adapt and you can't as much as, you know, these sort of cornerstone pillar messages of the franchise are important. You know, the, Right player, right play, price, play like a raven. That that kind of stuff. They're important, but you also have to be willing to adjust. And we have seen over the last two years, and specifically this off season, one of the most seismic shifts and adjustments in the AFC that we've ever seen in the in, in a, at least in our lifetime. So I, I don't know. I, I guess we'll see. But the pretty much, I love the Pierce signing, and and you know the Ricard thing was awesome too but it feels like ever since the marcus williams thing happened and the Zedarius move fell through we're making a lot of 9 and 8 10 and 7 moves as opposed to 13 and 4 12 and 5 moves
0: that's a that's a great way of putting it and and i am I'm, I'm hoping that i'm hoping that there there's a change and this team is really active in the trade market so i'm actually mm-hmm. i'm i'm holding out hope that they actually i, I think that i'm I'm fairly confident they'll make a decent trade. Maybe it'll be close. Ideally, it's before the start of the season instead of close to the deadline. Uh, but I do think at this point it does seem like the Ravens are kind of lining up to 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 wait for someone to hit the trade market. I, again, ideally on defense. Although, like you mentioned, Tyree Hill hitting the trade market—I don't know what that would cost, but I certainly wouldn't be complaining if they went that hard after Tyree Hill. I would stop criticizing the Ravens on almost everything because that would <laughs> be a real shift in what they've done before. Uh, but. You know, let let's let's move on. We can move on to kind of their their, their smaller deals. I don't know if these are necessarily the the the, the tenants a uh, ten and seven, nine and eight move for for what they bring to the team, but it's definitely not something that takes you from ten and seven to a, a better record. and that, I'm talking about Michael Pierce and Patrick Ricard, as we mentioned earlier. We know what Pierce is. Pierce is a big run stuffing nose tackle who's got a bit of pass rushing upside. I'm definitely not afraid to play him on pass rushing downs, but he's he's certainly not going to be, you know, destroying pockets on a regular basis. But I like the value there. it's it's a position of need. Pierce is a little bit younger than some of the options we've employed in the middle of the line in the past few years. And so I don't I don't I don't really mind the signing. Like you said, the cap is going to go up. And so some people thought that his amount per year was a little bit too much. I think it's uh, right around five, uh, right around five million a year. Is that right? Uh, yes, just about. Yep. Yeah. And, you know, a little high for a nose tackle, maybe but I actually, the cap going up, I'm not too worried about the deal. I'm a big fan of the Ricard deal. He He's huge in the offense. And I think it's a sign that we are going to get back to a little bit of bully ball this year after signing Moses as well. And I think that's important for this team that, that is what helps open up this passing offense. I think people who are saying that the Ravens offense needs to go, so undergo some kind of huge revolution and change into, you know, the chiefs or something like that are not really understanding one, the team that we have already built and have and, and are somewhat locked into, but two how well that actually works in terms of how that can open up the past game. Now that we have all of the weapons we should need on offense, at least I actually think the Ricard signing is a appropriate amount of money for, for what I see as his value. And also it's the official home of the wild We love Pat Ricard on this podcast and we'll give him the ball as much as he wants because he does not just because we like him, but because he does the dirtiest work for this team. He, he digs out dudes who are 300, 350 pounds regularly with a smile on his face. And he's just the kind of guy I love to have in Baltimore. So I don't know. I, I, I know they're not the big signings that you wanted, and maybe Pierce is a little bit of an overpay, but
1: are there, Are you okay with these, Ron? Would you, would you want to take them back? Uh, No, I wouldn't want to take them back. Um, especially in the Ricard case. I love it. I mean, we saw how divided Twitter got yesterday when the, uh, when the news was announced, or two days ago, excuse me, when the news was announced that he resigned. And I just, I think it's probably, I mean, outside of the, the obvious Marcus Williams, it's the I think Ricard coming back is the best move they've made so far and could end up being the best move, you know, when we look at how the dust settles in 2022, could end up being the best deal even overall. I mean, we're going to have Dobbins and Edwards back. The running game is going to be back to what it was. When you're coming off these kind of severe, you know, knee ACL injuries, you, you want all of the help in front of you that you can get during that process where you're sort of getting back up to speed and the best fullback in all of football definitely is, is a hell of a, um, I guess we'll call it a security net, you know, in front of you to kind of, just make sure you're not going to be a bulldozer. Those, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to make sure you're not going to be taking that first hit from the first guy that comes through the line, you're going to have some room there to be able to maneuver. So it's big. And I mean, you know, we are the wild pat podcast. And so I'm sure that they will find a lot of other creative ways to get him involved in 2022. Now that they know they have him long-term. So that, that, that's great. Um, in terms of Michael Pierce, it's it's okay it's cool you know may like you said maybe a little bit more than you would have liked to see and if it's if it's those two moves just paired with key and or green and then we're quiet until june like i'm not thrilled but just in a vacuum the pierce move itself it's cool um it's it's i don't I don't want to say it's a complete lateral step because he he is younger and he could kind of bring, I guess I'm trying to think of how to word it. And I may be totally off base, but I guess it almost feels kind of like a, like a reinforcement or like when you bring back players that used to be there, it kind of feels like a, almost like a home. Like it, it's more of a boost than as opposed to, you know if michael pierce had never played for the ravens and it was just oh, okay we're bringing in another middle of the pack like nose tackle it would have been like okay but just the fact that he's got the familiarity and it's more of like a feel good thing i think that there's more to that than just what you would think on the surface
0: yeah yeah there's there's clear fit in the system there's clear comfort with him in baltimore playing you know a lot of snaps he is coming off an injury last year not like not one that i think is likely to affect him into the end of next season but I also think that he is, a, he is an upgrade over the Justin Ellis-Brandon-Williams nose tackle combo that we were using for, for parts of last season. I don't think he certainly doesn't I don't think has the upside of Calais Campbell Campbell can still you know wreck snaps at will but Pierce is just a better nose tackle right now offers a lot more passing pass rushing upside especially than Ellison Williams and I think that's the thing that encourages me about the deal there were a lot of nose tackles they could have run out and grabbed but I think they grabbed one that had more pass rushing upside than most of the other guys in the market uh, just to go through the rest of the Ravens moves here, or the, the Ravens related moves, I should say here, uh, Bradley Bozeman signing with the Panthers on a very cheap contract. It's pretty clear to me what happened here that the the Ravens just weren't interested in re-signing him. Bozeman didn't have much of a market around the league, and he went he went with a one-year prove it deal, and he's going to try and earn his bag next offseason. To me, that tells me that the Ravens are pretty much ready for Patrick McCarry to start at center which I've come around to. I think Buffalo, the Buffalo game was long enough ago that I can forgive McCarty for one bad snap and look at the rest of really solid center play that he put up um, over the course of the season. And the other, you know, main departure that we have is Anthony Averitt to the Raiders. Uh, he obviously started quite a few games, for the Ravens last year after with all their cornerback injuries, but was pretty up and down, got a deal that was pretty appropriate from the Raiders and, you know, he'll have a chance to compete for a starting spot there and, Kind of get a do-over on a on a big prove-it year that he he was kind of supposed to have this year, but he didn't he didn't quite break out in Baltimore.
1: Yeah, um, in Averett's case, I'm very glad for him because he's going to have a chance not only to compete for a starting job, but a, a legit number one job. I mean. Do any of us look at Anthony Averett and see a true number one corner just based on what we've seen so far over the years? No, but who knows what a change of scenery can do for him and being in a new system and having Chandler Jones and Max Crosby doesn't hurt either. Yeah. Rushing and in the, the AFC passing.
0: West iron is going to sharpen iron. He's going to get to practice against Devonte Adams. He's going to be playing against a lot of the best receivers. It is a great opportunity to be like, Hey, I shadow He shadowed Tyree kill against the chiefs last year. He did mm-hmm. do that. Now he couldn't figure out how to defend Michael Pittman's comeback routes for whatever reason, but he's got the ability. And I think that's one of the things that I I like about Averett is that he definitely has the requisite talent, ability, athleticism, whatever you call it, to do it. I'm just curious to see if he can actually put it all together while going up against some of the some of the best guys in the game.
1: Yeah. And he's he's got the pedigree for it too. Obviously, he's an Alabama guy. So there's no reason that he shouldn't have every opportunity to, to go in there and really grab the bull by the horns, an opportunity that he didn't really have here in Baltimore, except when injuries kind of forced that. So, so good for him. I really do wish him nothing but the best, except for when he plays the Ravens um, in terms of Bozeman. Now it's so interesting to me because what was, what was the final number 2.8 million? Was that, was that it? Yeah, it was low. It was, it was, like, it was tiny. Uh, just so surprising to me. Like, do we know for certain that the Ravens just weren't interested at all? Or was this sort of like a, like a spite thing? Like, all right, you're not going to give me what I want. I'll I'll just go sign the first deal I can just because like what I I find that knowing, knowing the kind of guy Bozeman is, I would find
0: that really hard to believe. And I would find it really hard to believe that the Ravens didn't know that he didn't have any interest and could be had for this low. I think it's just the kind of thing where, They both decide to move on. I think that could have happened a while ago, or it could have happened last. It could have happened way back in like January, or it could have happened as soon as or as recently as last week. But it just seems like both sides decided to move on. Once Bozeman, the Ravens probably were only willing to sign Bozeman to a three or four year deal for like six to seven million dollars, and I think Bozeman probably wanted to just sign a one year deal to get a chance at making double digit money annually next year. Um, And I think that's probably the main thing. The Ravens were said, okay, we're not interested in a a one-year deal with you for, we're not interested in a one-year deal with you because we need the stability and we're not going to be willing to pay you 12 to $14 million a year next year, if you do come through, and we're not going to root for you not to come through as our starting center. So it's just best if both sides move on. I think that's ultimately what happened. And I think, That trends us towards Macari starting at center. And of course, I'm definitely into drafting a developmental center as well uh, in the draft just to have more another guy to compete at the spot. But I think it's just another one of those things that the market worked out the way it did. And I also don't think the Ravens can be seen kowtowing to player demands, even if it's former players that they like and want to resign. They can't always just go with what the player demands because it just looks bad to the rest of the league and it hurts you in future negotiations.
1: Yeah, we know they're definitely not going to do that after what we saw last week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, you know, you wish Bozeman all the best. Him and his uh, him and his wife Nikki have done so much for Baltimore and the community. Absolutely. Yeah, it, you know, nothing but the best for them. I have no ill will or nothing like that. Um, it, it was just interesting to uh, for me to see personally when you looked at the final contract numbers and you look at the fact that the Ravens now have a massive hole at center that you like maybe they're trying to fill with Makari, but can you really be that confident like in that if we're going into week one and that's the situation who knows I guess only time will tell but um yeah there's there's still a lot of work to do we saw Makari play right tackle with his short like he does have short
0: arms for a tackle and I'm not like a huge arm truther but it does impact your play and he played well against really good edge rushers last year again that not all that technique necessarily translates to playing center but he played center pretty well in 2019 and i just i think that he could just get the job done i'm just confident in his ability to fight and 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 fight and win Um, we, you know, and, and if he wins the center starting center job and, and really does well this season, we will add him into the wild pat as well as a special option of some sort, because he is also a very valuable Patrick in Baltimore.
1: (laughs) So moving on
0: the rest of the Ravens related moves, some ex players moving around Joe Flacco resigning with the jets, Tyrod Taylor and Jihad Ward, uh, Ward reuniting with the, uh, with Wink Martindale with the New York giants. Uh, And Hayden Hurst, our our former first rounder, the legendary first rounder that we the first round pick that we took before Lamar Jackson signed with the the rival Bengals. So we're going to see him next season. Um, That's one of the many moves the Bengals made. They also signed uh, Lyle Collins, Alex Kappa, Ted Karras to boost up their O-line for Joe Burrow. Uh, A lot of other moves around the AFC North that I could go into. The Steelers signing Mitch Trubisky, O-line, et cetera. But the big one that I think is worth addressing is the Browns trading and signing Deshaun Watson to a big contract. And what is, what is just an abhorrent move? Obviously it doesn't need to be said that, that Watson is embroiled in uh, quite a scandal right now. He has many, many women who have accused him of sexual misconduct during massage sessions that forced him to basically sit out the 2021 season. He might be forced to sit out the 2022 season, but fear not, Deshaun, because the Browns did everything in their power to make sure that you can avoid accountability for what you've done by making sure that your contract this year, whatever they pulled off with the, I don't want to get into all the numbers, but they basically, the Browns traded for Deshaun Watson and structured his deal in such a way that he, if he's suspended for you know the sexual misconduct that he's accused of, if he's suspended for it this season, he won't take any financial hit for it. And not only did Brown structure his contract that way, but that was how they got him to Cleveland. They called Watson and basically said, we'll guarantee you for $230 million and we'll structure it in a way that protects you if you get suspended for these pretty bad things that you're accused of doing. And I think that that is a frankly, just abhorrent thing for a franchise to do. And I couldn't imagine being a Browns fan and having a like, a wife or a daughter, much less being a female Browns fan at the moment and and trying to root for a team that has gone completely out of its way. And in fact, bent over backwards and played several games of twister to make sure that a guy who has more than 20 accusations of sexual misconduct around him can make over $200 million. I actually, I'm getting angry and angrier as I talk about it.
1: Yeah, I can tell you're getting fired up and honestly, justifiably so. Um, Uh, All I can really say in terms of the Browns is when (laughs) I guess when you're so used to losing for such a long period of time, you'll, you'll do just about anything to obtain the success that you would like. It's, it's a very, uh, a very tricky situation because a lot of this stuff is still playing out, but it's very hard to kind of, put together a defensible argument and say, oh, 22 women are all lying about this. You know, if it's I'm not even going to say if it's one, you could just say that they're just because when things like this pop up, like we can't reach the point where the first um, the first reaction is, oh, well, they're lying about being abused because it's just
0: yeah, we can't get there. And so And so I think one of the things that, that, that just strikes me, this is, this is kind of my first full season, really covering the NFL in this much depth, and I found that I love pretty much every team. I can find reasons to root for literally every team in the NFL, not when they're playing against the Ravens, but I can even find reasons to even root for the Steelers. We, you've heard me talk about liking the Bengals. You know, my, 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 my father hates the Indianapolis Colts, but I'm going to have a hard time not enjoying watching Matt Ryan succeed with them and hoping that he does succeed with them this season after his introductory press conference. But the Browns are just a poverty franchise that I want nothing to do with. I, I'm honestly embarrassed. They're in our division. The The statements from the owners and the coach and the general manager, they tacked on their wife's name, their wives' names to it. So it looks better. It just just abhorrent. Just a complete disappointment than the Browns, and that's saying something because they're the freaking Browns. Yeah,
1: it's 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 nasty because uh... as as it as it as it stands right now, these are all ongoing things, and I mean he could he could end up being guilty in civil court of all of them, and and then what do you do if you're the Browns? But they didn't care about that they didn't care about any sort of morality in the situation on a much lesser scale they didn't care about the quarterback who brought their team from being a being that literal joke to getting their first playoff win in, in since the bronze era like you know mayfield has one bad year and he's injured through most of it guts through a lot of really tough performances gets his butt kicked and this is how you repay him by by bringing in a guy and mortgaging your whole future towards a guy who may or may not be a serial sexual offender like it just it's just it's very nasty and it it's very fitting that their main color is brown because that that's exactly kind of how i feel about the about this whole nasty situation
0: yeah and that's kind of a good transition to get me off my soapbox a little bit because again i don't want to take my blood pressure through the roof thinking about Deshaun Watson. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's also unfair to Baker and I'm not a Baker Mayfield stand by any means. I think it, he was a bad number one overall pick, but I also don't think he deserves this. Not after playing, not after break actually bringing the franchise quarterback to Cleveland, bringing them to the playoffs, playing through injuries last year, I hope. And it sucks because the he's in such a tough spot now that he's unlikely to really get a solid shot in 2022 and it's going to set his career back. And that sucks because again, Baker seems to have matured quite a bit since coming to the NFL. He was kind of a jerk in college. It felt like, and he has matured a lot in the NFL and is the kind of guy that again, I don't, I don't really against whereas Watson is a guy I root against. I hope Watson and the Browns crash and fail. Like no other franchise has crashed and burned before as the tip of the iceberg for the consequences for the Browns and Watson. Um, the rest of the QB carousel was pretty interesting. Like I mentioned, Matt Ryan, uh, going from the Falcons to the Colts seems seems really happy and and excited to be there. And again, I hope he does well there. And Carson Wentz to the Washington Commanders—that's uh, another one that's kind of a mid move. I'm just not sure that he moves the needle for the Commanders in 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 the NFC East. He might help them win a, a wild card spot. Now that the the NFC AFC parity is nowhere, that the AFC is just way better than the NFC now, maybe Wentz can help Washington get a wild card spot. Uh, because I do think they have a they have an okay rest of their team and a good amount of draft capital, but they did uh, they get they did just give up some of that capital to acquire Wentz, and I'm just not sure he's going to deliver in a way that you know a guy that you could have for a lot cheaper and no draft capital would do roughly the same.
1: Yeah, Washington's definitely feeling pretty silly right now. Um, I'd imagine they they kind of jumped the gun on the Wentz thing. And when you look at what's kind of transpired since in terms of the Watson deal uh, and with Baker now being available and up until recent days, Matt Ryan being available, that feels like one where if they could go back, they definitely would. But, you know, they had that knee jerk reaction when they saw these other quarterbacks kind of flying around and they saw that they weren't going to be in on Watson or Russell Wilson or Rodgers. So um, yeah, kind of interesting. Uh, I get, I mean, it is what it is. Washington will be, you know, hovering around 500, if not, you know, just underneath that. It doesn't really do anything. It's a stopgap move. And it's probably unfortunately another stopgap year for the team as a whole, which is really unfortunate because they've got some absolute studs on that team. And I may be a little more partial to them because the studs that they have are from my favorite school, you know, chase young and Terry McLaurin, but, Hey, you know, it is what it is. Uh, We've gone from talking about one team with an F ownership to another. So I guess it's a good transition. I'll let you say it once. What school is that? OH, the Ohio State University. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) So I guess at least Ben's not here.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The, The junior senior. So I guess that kind of wraps up our, our you know, free agency recap, looking at what's happening around the league. Uh, Ron, are there any signings off the top of your head? I know we talked about Bobby Wagner before. Are there any signings you'd still want the Ravens to pursue? And these can be on any level, bigger swings, mid-tier signings, potential vet minimums, or lo- low contracts
1: that you think could grow into a lot more? Uh, I'd say the two are probably Wagner and Treader. Uh, I mean, Treader would just be – it would – Provide that, um, I guess something we've kind of always talked about in this in in this uh, podcast about the adult in the room. You know, Treader. He's the I forget exactly what is he the president of the yeah, NFLPA? He's the PA? president of the NFLPA. Yeah, um, so I mean, he's through and through an adult. He's a leader of men. It, it would it would be a great signing for them. Who knows if, if that's even possible with how the cap stands right this second? They'd have to make some more moves. Uh, that's all. I mean, they haven't actually signed green or key yet. So they've, they've got some room to maneuver with, but I don't know if I, I they still don't can know. do another mid
0: teen swing if they want to, I, I'm certain based on what I've seen of their cap and the deals that are structured so far, they can do another mid teen swing if they want to.
1: Okay. So that would be nice. That would be nice. bringing in shredder or, and of course, on the other side of the ball, Bobby Wagner, he just, everything that he represents the, uh, numerous time, all pro just, everything that the Ravens have always coveted in a middle linebacker he represents he's the one that I would go and overpay a little bit I mean who's gonna who's gonna fault you if you give Bobby Wagner a little bit too much money and it doesn't pay off it's Bobby freaking Wagner he's the best middle linebacker of this generation yeah and I'm also okay structuring you know if you want to make
0: it a deal that is actually a little bit front like is Mm -hmm. a little bit loaded in a way that makes it easier to cut him after one or two seasons, if it really isn't working out or he's really taking a step back, I'm fine. You know, I'm, I'm fine structuring contracts a certain way to make things work for the future. But what I'm not fine with is not trying to go for it at all, obviously. And that's something that you'd want to see. Um, I actually think there's a fair amount of guys out on the market that, you know, beyond, beyond um, Wagner and Treader that could do it. I think Treader would be a great option just to lock down the line. He'd lock down the center position it would let Macari be a backup all along the line and compete for right tackle, potentially let us cut Jawan James and, and free up some more money there. But there are a lot of interesting players out there. There are some older guys like Hakeem Hicks and Ingram and Melvin Ingram along the D-line, uh, Jerry Hughes, uh, but there's also like a Derek Barnett, a guy who I think could be an interesting edge rusher if he's still on the market later uh, for, for a little bit more, uh, cheaper of a deal. He, he might need to prove himself a little bit more. And there's also one that I can't help but think about him still being on the market, even though I know it really doesn't make a lot of sense is Tyron Matthew. I know we already signed Marcus Williams, but again, it's that situation. The Ravens always go best player available in the draft and and typically fill needs in free agency. But I also think that they have the money to take another big swing. And it seems like Tyron Matthews market isn't there the way people thought it would be something, a short, maybe a two year deal worth like, 25 million dollars could be something good for both sides and yeah you have a couple extra safeties on a team but then you just get to play a really versatile switchy defense that has really good defensive backs there's an argument to be made if you can't secure the top defensive lineman edge rushers go after the best defensive backs and linebackers available and that's I kind of think that's what we're looking for in Matthew and Wagner
1: yeah uh Matthew would be it would be interesting. <laughs> you know, it, it, I think at the beginning of this, this whole off season, if you had told us that we'd end up with Matthew and Marcus Williams, we probably would have told you that you were crazy, but it, that would be really interesting. Cause then you can, you'd essentially have two guys who can both play. What was the Daxton Hill role in Mike McDonald's defense in Michigan? You know, you have Chuck Clark and Tyron Matthew, who can just be sort of that free roaming sort of is he, is he uh Is he going to play, you know, down in the box and be almost kind of like a linebacker? Is he going to, you know, is he going to drop back? And is he going to be a safety? There's just, there's so many different things that you'd be able to do with that combination of guys in the secondary. And I don't think if there's one like position group in the NFL that you really want an abundance of riches, it's got to be the secondary. When you look at all these teams today, throwing the football. Oh, we know
0: that well from last year. And the other thing is like, the NFL isn't a standard like 4334 as your base set league anymore. Your mm-hmm. base set now is nickel. Your base set is five defensive backs, two linebackers and four guys on the line. That is that is what most teams play as like what they're looking at in their starting lineup. And so loading up on defensive backs when you're putting five of them out there, Matthew and Clark play with enough of an edge and and tackle well enough that I think that you could play a ton of dime with them, Tony Jefferson, like there are just a ton of options that emerge if you do go with Matthew and you do decide, okay, I'm just going to make sure that no receivers get open. Um, th- that, that is an option. And it, it would be, I think it's unlikely obviously, but it would be kind of an interesting zig Um, where, where are the Ravens zagging where a lot of other teams are zigged or whatever the the phrase our fan base loves. Uh, Something like that.
1: Yeah. Uh, Actually, before we move on, there is one more name that I wanted to throw out there. And um, you know, I'm not usually the, the, let me think how to put it. I'm not usually one that's trying to jump at a receiver with question marks, whether it's injury or on the field or off the field stuff. Um, But I'm taking a very hard look at Odell Beckham. If I'm the Ravens at this point, when you look at what these teams are loading up on, even if Miami ends up with Tyree Kill, they're going to be a legitimate threat. Like they're going to have a a lot of great weapons on the outside with Parker and Waddle. And then if you get Tyree kill and you just look at some of these other teams with just digs and now we got Adams and just go down the list. I mean, you, you can never have too much talent at receiver too. And while Beckham, yeah, he might not be coming back until October because of the ACL injury. At the same time, that's going to drop his price point tremendously. And it's probably going to take – it's probably going to cause most teams to pause on giving him any kind of long-term deal. So if you can find a way to, to bring him in and pair him up with Bateman and Hollywood and Mark Andrews at a, at a price – that I, I can't even begin to venture what I would like look to pay him, but just five a year one for five is what PFF has
0: projected. And I'm <sighs> not I'm fine with that. I would give him one for eight gladly, literally. And yeah, that I, mean, might I don't be know a about needier. one for eight when you, I don't know about one for eight when you know, he's going to miss part of the year. Obviously I would say probably one for six or seven might be my cap. And maybe mm. that would be the cap with, maybe get it hit a hit, hit eight with incentives. If he gets back, And plays a certain and is able to stay healthy for the rest of the season, plays a certain number of snaps or something like that. But the other thing is, we have the receiver depth that he doesn't need to come back right away. And all the receiver needy teams don't want him because, or don't want to pay too much for him because he won't be ready right away. Whereas he would be like a midseason boost to our offense that offense kind of gets stagnant halfway through the season a little bit. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't be the worst idea to have like one of the most exciting playmakers in recent NFL history to hop on the team and and join midway through. Um, We've been willing to take rehab deals like this before. Juwan James is a good example. So I I, I wouldn't mind seeing it at all, Uh, especially again, like you're saying, it's a pass, like we've been saying, it's it's a passing league, got to win through the air. And while I'm not against the Ravens going with the ground game because of the way it opens up the air, when it matters big time in these games, you you need to be able to throw the ball and have guys on the other end who are going to get open and catch it. And Odell Beckham Jr. is, quite good at those things
1: yeah he's he's a legit game changer and we saw what he brought to that Rams offense in the end of the year he was a big part of why they ended up getting to the Super Bowl even though he you know every week it wasn't eight catches 120 yards like he was catching touchdowns and he was making big plays for them in times where they really needed it and I think if you can bring that in to this Ravens offense to your point to kind of quell that that sort of midseason lull that we saw this past year and just provide Lamar another option for when things are starting to break down and the weather gets cold and you have to put it in through the air. Uh, I think I think it would be a great move him or Landry really, but more so Beckham just because of the the star power he brings and that that potential that he brings like Landry's a little different because you know what you're getting and it's very solid and it's very consistent but it's not going to be that that true game-changing potential that Odell Beckham has.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think Landry's, Landry is consistent and has a really high floor of play, but he doesn't bring the kind of – constant home run threat that Beckham does. And that's, that's really what I would want the explosiveness. Mm -hmm. So that kind of uh, cleans up our, our free agency recap, or at least our recap of the first flurry of moves in free agency Uh, with about a month out before the draft. I think the Ravens are in shape that they can have a decent season and a good shot at making the playoffs, but they are a, a big addition away, at least one big addition away from, I think being one of those true, S tier Super Bowl contenders uh like the Bills and the Chiefs are I think those are probably the two who are the clearest. The Rams arguably too. I'm not exactly sure if they've been able to keep enough together, but you know, I think the Bills and the Chiefs are two really clear Super Bowl contenders and the Ravens I just haven't made the moves and or have the established talent. I I feel like that you can really say that they are a a even with those teams. They're up there, but they're not quite there yet.
1: Yeah. And you can even throw the chargers into that list now with some of the additions that they've made. I mean, their offense was never the issue. And then they go out this year and they get Khalil Mack and JC Jackson, the best corner on the board and trade for what would have been the best defensive player on the board overall, if Mack were actually a free agent, but he's obviously not. Um, and obviously Cincinnati, I mean, we still have to give them their flowers. I mean, they were literally the AFC representative last year in the super bowl. And you, you know, we could say what we want about, you know, uh, maybe the path wasn't as easy as some of these other teams, or it wasn't as difficult as some of these other teams, but they were still there and they're not going to get any worse. You know, they, all they've done is sure up their offensive line, which was their biggest issue. I, I think that, we've got a lot of work to do if like you said if we want to get into that that tier of teams that you really think are legitimate Super Bowl contenders beyond just you know hey look out for them you you know just we hear that every year about these teams and then they come in and they lose in the first round of the playoffs like it just they've got they've got a lot of they've got a lot of work to do if they want to if they want to jump into where they want to go and with Lamar's not getting any younger. And I'm not saying that in the sense of like, he's actually getting old. I'm saying that in the sense of like his rookie contracts running out. We're going to have a lot of questions in terms of what's going on there in the coming seasons. This super bowl window. Isn't as wide open as some fans would like to think just because Lamar Jackson's our quarterback. I agree. Uh, we agree. Yeah. So, so it, it just, you, you can't afford to have any of those building years when you have a quarterback, and a team in place that should or or cornerstone pieces in place that should be uh th- that should be leading you to a super bowl i guess
0: yeah i agree and i think those again you're hoping they can swing a big move i'm not even sure if a move like wagner moves that needle enough but it's at least something and and again like i said players like wagner players like tyron matthew they can have a multiplying effect where they help other players get better and play better. And so it's possible, but they need to make those moves. Ron, thanks so much for joining. As always, uh, we'll be back with more draft coverage, more free agency recaps as we move closer to the NFL draft at the end of April. Uh, thanks so much. Just kidding. We're back because Kansas City Chiefs have created six-time Pro Bowl wide receiver Tyreek Hill to the Miami Dolphins for five draft picks, a 2022 first-rounder, the 29th overall this year, and a second rounder this year, the 50th overall, as well as a fourth rounder, and fourth and sixth round picks next year. So, first of all, as Ted Nguyen of The Athletic just tweeted, and I have to agree, this offseason is drunk. This is ridiculous. Um, Ron, what, is, like, what are your first thoughts? First thoughts in general.
1: Go. Well, my first thoughts are kind of piggybacking on what we we were saying in the beginning of the podcast, when we were talking about this Darius Smith situation and just how all these AFC teams are taking huge swings and doing what they have to do by bringing in stars to stay competitive and how important that is for the Ravens going forward, as opposed to just doing the right player, right price thing that we kind of, you know, hammered on a bunch earlier. Uh, Miami has made a lot of really tremendous moves. They're like, I mean, Taron Armstead, even going back into the beginning of free agency, they bring in Chase Edmonds. Now they have Raheem Mostert, who Holding is, on to Gusecki. You know, what? Holding on to Gusecki. Yeah, Mike Gusecki. Now they have Tyree Kill. It's just – it's like, wow, man. Just another AFC team keeps getting better. And on the flip side of this, I know it may seem like this is like the end of the world for Kansas City they could very easily go out and draft Chris Alave and Traylon Burks and be even better next year. So I'm not like, I don't think that this means the end of Kansas city's reign atop the AFC either. All I think this means is that the Ravens are now having, or going to have an even tougher time keeping up.
0: Yeah. I'm, I don't know. One, the idea of Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle on the same offense is insanely exciting. That plus. Devontae Parker. Devonte Parker, the better O-line they have in front of Tua and maybe Tua. They're putting the tools around him to succeed. They ha- I love Mike McDaniel's, I love the coordinator. So I am I'm excited about the Dolphins. I think they're going to be a really fun team to watch. In terms of the Chiefs, if they weren't willing to completely overhaul Hills market the wide receiver market for Hill like the um, that I, which I guess they clearly must not have been if it really got to this point where he was traded. I can't imagine other things that would bring this about, given how fruitful the Mahomes-Hill partnership has been. It weakens the Chiefs. Uh, there's no there's no doubt about it. As of right now, the Chiefs are a significantly weaker team. I would even argue the Ravens have a better receiving core, far better receiving core than the Chiefs now. If you take Hill out of that receiving core, there's a lot of threes and four wide receivers while they do have a legitimate number one pass catching threat in, in Kelsey, they they just don't really have the receivers now. I'm sure they'll make a free agent addition or two, and obviously their 29th and 30th draft picks. Um, but it's also going to be hard for them to get like the top one, two, or maybe even the third best receiver in the draft at the end. So they might have to put together a trade up if they really have a guy they're going to go after. I think Traylon Burks could do a lot of damage in that offense uh, given his skill set, but. Not having Tyreek on the hill, not having Tyreek Hill on the Chiefs weirdly makes the Chiefs not the best team in the AFC West anymore. Like that's a hot take if this happens at the beginning of the offseason. But I think with Wilson and Adams coming to to the West, the Chargers loading up. I think the Chargers are far and away the best team in the West now. So a couple things. It, you know that I'm I'm curious. I hope I hope it works out for the Dolphins. Don't get me wrong, but this is a big overhaul, and we haven't seen many massive overhauls with this many stars coming in work in the past. I'm thinking like the old Eagles team. Everyone was so excited about, didn't work together. And while I think McDaniel's is a better team builder and, and coach than than what the Eagles were set up with, I still think that. It, it, there'll be some growing pains in Miami initially, even though I think the ceiling for this team is definitely sky high, definitely could win the AFC East at this point. Um, though I, I still think I prefer the bills just in terms of, I think they are right now a better team. The dolphins are going to have a lot of work to do to get to the point where they can be better than the bills consistently. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, the bills obviously have the better quarterback, so, I mean, that's that's a big part of it there. But um, I, I, Miami's, like, while I wouldn't put them, obviously, in that X tier that we were talking about before, these title contenders, they're going to make some noise this year. I really think that Tua is a lot better than people give him credit for. It's almost kind of like the popular thing to do now to hate on Tua. And I think he's going to surprise some people this year. He's obviously got some things to work on. And catching the deep ball from him is going to be a lot different for Tyree Kill than catching the deep ball from Mahomes. So to your point, there is going to be some growing pains there, but they're scary. And I almost would expect a bit of a step back for Buffalo this year. Um, not because they've lost all this tremendous talent or anything, but just two really heartbreaking playoff losses in a row. you, you know, it, it that that really takes its toll on a team, I think. And I'm sure they'll still, they'll still be right in the thick of things. I'm not, you know, predicting the collapse of the Buffalo bills by any means, but I think this division is very much wide open. And I think Miami's got a great shot at, uh, at winning it when it's all said and done. And on the flip side, when we're just talking about Kansas city, uh, I mean, yeah, you look at their receiving core now, Juju Hardman, Josh Gordon, you know, another year older, Travis Kelsey and and Kelsey's starting to get to that age. Now that we see even the best of all time in terms of tight ends, they kind of hit that sort of wall to where they're still productive. You know, Tony Gonzalez had a great part of his career in Atlanta, but they're not going to be that guy that you can build your offense around. Like Kelsey has been for the past five, you know, five or so years. So they've got a lot of work to do, but I also think that, as long as you have Mahomes and Andy Reid, I think everything else is manageable. Now, they're really putting that to the test by trading away Hill. But, but I do think if they come away from this draft with two receivers in the first two rounds, they'll be right there. I, I would personally go – I think Los Angeles, the Chargers, are going to be the one seed in the AFC period. So I was going to put – the I was going to put Kansas City at two in the division anyway. But this pretty much just kind of cements that and makes – the Raiders and the Broncos is a little closer until they can respond and bring in other receivers to replace him.
0: Yeah, because I mean, rookie receivers, especially late in the first round, aren't one aren't guarantees to be great right away, a good even right away. And second, you know, the, the ceiling of a Tyree kill is pretty crazy. But you also have to think about the Chiefs have paid the players who are valuable on their team. They, they've done it right. They pay they anted up for Mahomes they gave him the money they've given Kelsey the money Chris Jones and so on and so you have to wonder why didn't they want to pay Hill like when you think about what Hill does for that offense it's got to be one of two things either they see clear draft picks that they're gonna that they that they want clear moves in the draft that they're gonna make to backfill and replace and, and maybe make their offense a little bit more balanced than just Mahomes killing Hill and Kelsey the other thing is maybe they just don't see him having the same value at another team that he does with Mahomes throwing in the ball. And I think that's a real concern when it comes to going to Miami with Tua, because you no longer have one of the like best arms ever throwing to you, period. That can fit it into every gap, that can timing, no looks, deep balls, let you run under it or hit you in stride. He, Tua is, Tua is good and I wish him all the best in the league, but he's obviously not Patrick Mahomes. And so that's kind of the other question I have, which is, I wonder what the Chiefs are thinking and, and, and how much of this they have planned out because they are a very well run organization. I would say the last thing I can think about the Ravens is, you know, we talked about Anthony, Anthony Avert resigning signing with the Raiders and potentially blanketing Tyreek Hill in the AFC West next year. He won't be doing that, at least against the Chiefs. I don't know if the Raiders are playing the Dolphins. Um, But it does does just remind you the way this league works, even a guy like Hill, that it surprised me when I saw that he was potentially interested in a trade, and you mentioned it earlier in the podcast. But then to see it have come together and go to Miami right after they signed to run Armstead, it's so fast it's crazy it, it seems like it's 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 been work. the dolphins had been working on it for a little while um but you know ha- the the dolphins are at least have a qb that they think is good enough on a rookie deal like if two is on a bigger deal this this doesn't feel as good but with him on such a cheap deal load up and maximize the window it totally makes sense and um it looks like wow, 72.2 million dollars becomes guaranteed at the start of the 2023 league year. The other 52 million is fully guaranteed at signing. So Hill got the contract he wanted. I think maybe it was the guarantees and the length that the Chiefs were having issues with, but we'll see. I mean, again, another setup for an exciting NFL season at NFL that looks very different. But this is this is maybe the most surprising move
1: yet. Yeah, yeah, it's up there. And it just reaffirms something that we touched on a little bit before. Bring me Odell Beckham or bring me death. (laughs) Bring me a number one wide receiver. Look at what all these other teams are doing for their young quarterbacks. Like, God, man, Uh, and and not to say that the Ravens haven't taken their stabs. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to be one of those people that says that. I mean, obviously they've taken receivers in the draft every year, and uh, but just bring in one of those guys, man. And there's one out there, and don't get scared away just because he's going to miss the first month of the season. Like when we're in week fifteen. And he's helping us beat Cincinnati on the road. We're not going to be thinking about the first four weeks when the guy was rehabbing his ACL, especially if he's only making six or $7 million a year. We had Michael Crabtree, seven and a half million a year, dude. Like yeah. the
0: the one question I have is does Odell move the needle that, I mean, he's not Tyree kill. He doesn't move the needle quite that much. And so the one thing I would say is more than necessarily going after Odell, this just, to me anchors even solidifies what we were talking about earlier is the Ravens need at least one big swing. And I know how much they love their draft picks, but at the same time they have so many, especially in the mid rounds that it's worth moving. Even if it's like you trade, you know, even if you trade the first and you get like an early second back or something like that for a really high impact player, I trust the Ravens drafting ability. And I like this draft class enough that I'm okay with that. I think it could it could work, but the biggest thing is I need a swing. I just, I understand wanting to answer in kind to all these other AFC contenders making a swing. But if you look at the roster right now, if everyone is playing at their best and stays healthy, this team is, I think, in a in, in a place where it can compete. The problem is, is you can't guarantee that everyone is going to play their best and stay healthy, and these other teams know that. That's why they're stacking up playmakers. Jalen Waddle plus Tyreek Hill almost seems a little bit redundant when you think about their skill sets, but honestly, who cares? Just give them the ball and let them go to work. And, well, again, I think the Ravens are, I think the Ravens are fine offensively. I think Lamar has the pieces around him, and the Ravens have made the necessary investments there. To me, it's Again, it's defense, especially when you see teams loading up, teams loading up on offense like the Dolphins are. So they need another big swing. I don't know what that is. Bobby Wagner and Tyron Matthew, I guess I'm specifically shouting out to you to come to Baltimore because the defense is going to need you.
1: Well, just really quick. And before we wrap this up, because I know we just recorded a whole podcast before this. um, When you're talking about trades, one name that I'd at least like to run by you. Uh, how would you feel about sending a couple fourths to Seattle for Tyler Lockett? I mean, if if they're interested, I'm all about it. My other my issue
0: with Lockett is is I don't with the see size. Pro, yeah, I don't seem as profiling super yeah. different than Brown, mm-hmm. honestly. And, and that would be mm-hmm. that would be my one thing. Um, but after seeing these trim of these trades go down, I think I am going to look a lot more at this trade market, and maybe it's something we can talk about next podcast for mm-hmm. sure, is what are some trade targets? Guys, that even if we think they're off limits, like Hill is a guy you would imagine is not going to get traded. Until this like,
1: morning, yeah. yeah. He, was,
0: he was, yeah, absolutely. And so I think it's worth the Ravens starting to kick the tires on guys around the league who, okay, they're not getting advertised as available, but Hey, everyone. And I mean, everyone is available for the right price. Mm -hmm. Like the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase always said. (laughs) All right. Well, again, Ron, thanks for hopping back on real quick to uh, to break down this Tyreek Hill news and uh, fans for sticking around a little bit longer with us today. And we'll see you next podcast.